This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We use active skin repair all the time in our household. We call it the magic spray. We use it for so many things, but it came in hot recently when Sage fell and busted open his lip and we had our first trip to urgent care for stitches. And now with all the bumps and scrapes that come with summertime, it is very much on the scene. In fact, Mila, my five-month-old, recently got a little cut on her finger and Sage noticed it first and he was like, Mama, I'll go grab the magic spray. He was so jazzed to be able to do it and help her and be a part of it. It's become a staple in our household. You can visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's code VILLAGE for 20% off your order at activeskinrepair.com. Welcome to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 66. You guys, I got pretty fired up in this episode. (laughs) See, the thing is, I posted something on Instagram recently about kiddos not being responsible for our feelings, and y'all kind of went crazy over it. There were tons of questions. I got so many DMs, so I decided to do a whole podcast episode on it. There are a lot of feelings about this, and I want you to know that if you've ever said something like, it makes me sad when you hit me, or it makes me happy when you clean up my toys, (laughs) my toys, also that, but your toys, it's okay. It's okay. We can come back from these things and it's never too late and it's never too early to lay this foundation. The thing is, if you want to be the person that your tiny human breaks down to, then they can't feel responsible for your feelings. They can't be nervous about how what they say to you is going to make you feel. So let's dive into how to make that all happen. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. It's really hard to do any big work when you're sleep deprived. And I know I'm like barely a functioning human when I'm tired. And if you've gone months and months or maybe even years without a full night of sleep, guys, it's real, real hard to show up as your best self. And it's hard for your tiny humans too. But I'm not about just like shaming you into something. So let's talk about how you can get some quality restorative sleep. I created Awake Kiddos Snoozy Parents for you. This online sleep class will guide you through figuring out what's at the root of the sleep challenge and how to create an emotionally supportive sleep plan for you and for them to make these changes. On top of that, 
you get to join a community of other folks who have walked this journey, who are walking this journey right alongside you. And I go live every week to support you as you implement your plan. You get to ask your questions in real time. You get lifetime access to Awake Kiddos Snoozy Parents when you purchase it so that you have a tool for all the ages, stages, and kiddos to come and you can share it with a partner or whoever is in your village. Head over to awakekiddossnoozyparents.com to get started today and get snoozing tomorrow. I'm going to come out the gate strong here. Your children are not responsible for your feelings. I know, that almost sounds aggressive. Uh, We're going to dive into it, but this entire episode is devoted to that sentence. And here's why, guys. When we say things like, it makes me happy when you clean up your toys, or it makes me sad when you hit me, The thing with phrases like these is that we're placing our feelings on our children and making them responsible for how we feel. So what happens down the road when somebody bullies them or they're sexually assaulted or they get turned down from that date? What happens when they fail a test or they get their heart broken? Will they have somebody to turn to whose feelings they don't feel responsible for? Will they keep stuff from you because they don't want to spike your anxiety or make you feel sad? It sucks. It sucks and it's so, so hard to break that habit, but it's so important. Brene Brown's research, also she's a dreamboat. If you have not read any of Brene Brown's work or checked her out on the World Wide Web, I would suggest doing so. But her research showed us that every human needs at least one person who they can break down to whose feelings they don't feel responsible for, who they can be totally vulnerable with. If you want to be that human for this child, they can't feel responsible for your feelings. They're going to know that you have feelings, they're going to see it, they're going to feel it, it's tangible almost, but I don't want to place the responsibility of our feelings on the tiny humans. I often, when I'm chatting about this, I have people say, well, how will they know to take responsibility for their actions? What if they do make me sad? (laughs) The thing is, they aren't actually making you sad. You're feeling sad because you're at the end of your rope and they are just the tip of the iceberg and we have all been there. But if you were like on cloud nine or doing really well and taking care of yourself, then their tantrum about dinner and what you cooked for dinner isn't actually going to hit you in the soul in the same way. You're going to be able to see it for what it is. This child is disappointed with the meal. Even when they say hurtful phrases to you, which we covered in episode 57 about how to respond when they say hurtful things, but really what it looks like is being able to see the behavior for what it is. 
and separate the behavior and the emotion. So when they're disappointed because they wanted one thing for dinner and they got another thing and they say something rude to you, if you are already feeling secure in yourself and you've taken care of yourself, you've drank enough water during the day, or you've taken care of your mental health and you know you're a good parent, you know that you you feel confident in who you are and that you are providing them with a healthy meal and all these things, then when they say that thing, it doesn't feel like they've tapped into one of your insecurities. Trust me, I know all of this is so much easier said than done. Anytime I have like a visceral reaction to something or somebody's able to make me feel sad or embarrassed or shamed or disappointed or angry or any of those things, when I feel like somebody's causing that, usually when I look at it, they have tapped into one of my insecurities, something I don't feel confident in in myself. And they just said the words that have been in my head and almost like validated that thought. And I think this happens a lot in parenthood too, where we are triggered by things that kiddos say because they tap into our insecurities. And maybe you just spent all day at work and you came home and you're frustrated and you're at the end of your rope and you made dinner and you just want them to be grateful for dinner. And it's not the food they wanted. And that sucks. And also they're not responsible for your feelings here. You know the mental gymnastics when you're trying to figure out how to dress your baby or your toddler for bed? Posh Peanut is the bomb for this. It has a two-way zipper, so nighttime changes with Mila at five months old. You're doing that like middle of the night, don't want to get too woken up. Diaper changes have never been easier. I can just zip up from the bottom. Don't have to fully undress her, which means less fussing, a quicker return to those precious hours of sleep, which let me tell you right now, we're trying to grab every second of sleep that we can. And of course, Posh Peanut clothes are made from the softest viscose from bamboo. It is incredibly gentle on my babe's skin and the breathability helps keep her comfortable all night long. I'm not worrying about like, is she too hot? Is she too cold? Is this the right sleep sack? We have the AC on now. How does that factor into this? It is so perfect. Also, you can find the cutest little fabrics. I have my eye on a truck set for Seiji that is next in my cart. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. You can go to poshpeanut.com slash village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com slash village. Promo code VILLAGE. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. 
All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. If we take care of ourselves, we are more likely to be able to respond with intention rather than react in the moment. So what do we say instead, instead of things like, it makes me sad when you hit me? We could try, I won't let you hit me. Ugh, you're so frustrated. You don't want to clean up your toys to come to dinner and it's time for dinner. Can I give you a snuggle before we go? Offer up a coping strategy tap into emotion coaching. After you say, I won't let you hit me, then you tap into the emotion coaching. And if you need a refresher on emotion coaching, you can head to episode 63 on how to emotion coach for emotion processing with Lauren. Uh, We went in depth there, but that's what you would go into right away. Like after the, I won't let you hit me. Then we're emotion coaching. We're not talking about the behavior right now because if they're having a feeling, they're not ready to talk about the behavior. Anytime we're talking about the behavior before they're ready, that's for us, not for them. We need to get them into the prefrontal cortex before they can do that. Or instead of, it makes me happy that you cleaned up your toys, you might say, you cleaned up all your toys. Now you have time to watch a show before we leave. Even if you do feel joy because they just did that thing, what you really feel joy about is that there aren't toys all over the ground or that you aren't in a battle with them to get out the door. Another question I get here is about them taking responsibility for their actions So what you're talking about here is really about empathy, and I believe that we do not build empathy from us to them if we want to be the person they can break down to. I believe that we build empathy peer-to-peer. We build it about everybody else. So when that baby is crying in the grocery store, I might say, oh, I hear that baby crying. How do you think they're feeling? What do you think they need? What do you think they're trying to say? I'm just getting them attuned to the fact that like other people have feelings and that's how they communicate them. When we're reading a book, I'm pointing out the different facial expressions and before they can talk, I'm saying, wow, I see that big smile. That person looks so excited. They're about to go jump on their trampoline or whatever. They are so excited. I might point to a face and say, oh, that person looks so grumpy. They look really frustrated. I actually love the book Grumpy Monkey. It's all about how it's okay to just be grumpy and we don't always have to fix it. In fact, sometimes we can't fix it. I feel like that book is really a lesson for adults more than our tiny humans. I think they're really good at sitting in their emotion. Uh, We are often the ones trying to move them out of it. But we can talk about emotions peer-to-peer. You can highlight like, oh, you were playing with that. And 
Sarah really wants to have a turn. I can tell that she looks sad over there. What do you think we should do? And it doesn't mean they're going to give up the toy. They're then a part of the problem solving. It might be saying things like, maybe in two minutes I could give her a turn or maybe we could play together or whatever. Like they're just a part of the problem solving, but you're acknowledging that them choosing to keep playing with the shovel or the toy or whatever for longer does have an effect on the people around them. Or if they hit somebody, like it does have an effect and we can teach that peer to peer. However, we are just, I want to stop focusing on behavior and start teaching kids what else to do with that emotion. A lot of the times when we're seeing behavior that we want to change, it's really the emotion beneath it that the kiddo needs a different strategy for processing or expressing or communicating in any way. So if they are feeling lonely and they do something that's really annoying to get your attention, but every time it works, that's what they know how to do when they're feeling lonely. And so instead of being annoyed with them over and over and over, we can identify, oh, it looks like you're feeling lonely. Did you want me to come play? Oftentimes they'll say yes, if that's the case. I've had kiddos as young as one, like nod their head yes. And I'd say, okay, I would love to come play with you after I'm done with X. Will you go find a toy for us to play with? Then later I'm going to build in like, If you want me to come play, you can say, or I'll do the sign language for play, or say it, or give them a full sentence if that's where they are. Whatever it is, I want to give them another tool for navigating this. I was at a gathering recently, and there was a kiddo who was about five, five and a half, and a kiddo who was about three and a half, um, and then a younger tot who was maybe 18 months or so. And everybody's playing, and then the three-and-a-half-year-old needed space, but he didn't know how to communicate that. And so he had gone, and he was, like, hiding in the bathroom. He's also potty trained, so he just kept, like, at first we just thought, like, oh, he's going to the bathroom. But then he would, like, hide in there. And then he told me that that was where he was going to get space. Uh, But then the five-and-a-half-year-old found out he was, like, hanging out in there. The five-and-a-half-year-old went in to, like, hang out with him, obviously not knowing, like, oh, he needs space and that's why he's in here. So then the three-and-a-half-year-old started growling at him. And in that moment, I said, oh, buddy, it looks like you really want space. You wanted to be alone for a little bit. If that's what you want, you can say, can I please have space? And so he just turned to the kid and said, can I please have space? And the kid said, sure. In this moment, the kid, the three and a half year old wasn't trying to be rude. He didn't know what else to do with that feeling. He didn't know how else to communicate it. And so I gave him the tools to communicate it. But that to me was more important in the moment than like, oh, when you do that, it makes him feel sad. I think often when we're saying it makes me sad or it makes me happy or it makes me mad, we are 
doing that for us, but it really isn't what's going to be helpful for the tiny human. I think it's our job to regulate that phrase and just start to notice it. And when you notice it, you can pull it back and you can, everything starts with self-awareness. So as you start to notice it as a trend, you can then, after it comes out of your mouth, say something else. Like it's okay if it comes out and then you, you change it to another thing. You can always come back from these things, but in the end, what I want is for kiddos to have a space where they can break down, where they're not worried about your feelings. Another huge part of this, all right, I'm going to get deep and personal here per huge, but as a rape survivor, I didn't tell my parents uh, that I was raped for over a decade. And when I did tell them, the coolest thing for me that I hadn't realized until I told them was that they had the coping strategies to process this. So of course they felt sad because anybody who's finding this news out about their daughter would feel sad, but I was worried about being responsible for their sadness and I didn't have to be. In fact, my mom said to me that she did not expect me to help them process this information and that if they had any questions that I didn't want to answer, I could say that I didn't want to answer them. And she outright said that she was sad, but that she wouldn't be sad forever. And uh, she just needed to tap into some tools for herself to process it. Because my mom has never been to therapy. Uh, I would I was not raised in a house where we talked about emotions or any of that jazz. But finding out that she had the tools to process whatever I was going to bring to the table has been a game changer in my life. And it made me keenly aware of how fortunate I am to have a person who I could literally tell her anything and I'm not afraid of her getting stuck in like depression or anxiety or any hard feelings, I know that she has the tools to process it. And I have also now been very aware of other folks in my life who have parents who don't have the tools to process hard emotions. I've specifically noticed it around parents who have a history of depression or anxiety that the kiddos my age, kiddos, the folks my age are not telling their parents things in fear of spiking their anxiety. And now we know that anxiety has never been higher in parenthood or in our tiny humans than it is now. And so I think this is something we really need to be mindful of that even if we aren't saying it makes me anxious when you do that, or I feel scared when you do that. Even if we aren't saying those words, our kiddos will know if we're living with anxiety. And I think it's also our job, if we want to be this person for them, to show them that we have coping strategies to process the hard stuff, to process fear, to process sadness, to process disappointment. So if you're walking this journey right now and you feel alone in it, I hear you. I struggled with anxiety for a long time until my therapist told me I didn't have to live with it. And then I worked my butt off to build a toolbox 
to process fear that I had never had before. And now I genuinely don't live with anxiety. I still have fear and I still experience it. I always will because it's a part of life. It's an emotion. But now I don't get stuck in it and it doesn't rule my life or my decisions. And I want that for everybody. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you are walking this journey and you're like, I don't know where to go from here. I know I have anxiety and I don't know what to do beyond knowing what my triggers are. Like that's where I had gotten. I'd gotten to a place where I knew what my triggers were. I knew when I was feeling anxious, but I didn't know how to not feel anxious. And if you're in that space, come on over. This month in Tiny Humans Big Emotions, I went in depth. I did a workshop on anxiety, on parenting with anxiety, on parenting kids with anxiety, and how to start building that toolbox. If you want to dive into that, the live workshop already happened, but you can access the workshop. It's recorded. Uh, If you go to tinyhumansbigemotions.com, and you sign up, you can either sign up for the monthly membership if that's more affordable or the annual. But if you join the membership, you have access to the recorded video that you can use to start diving into this stuff. But guys, if you are living with anxiety and you don't have a toolbox for processing these kid, these things, your kiddos will know that. And my fear is that they won't turn to you because they don't want to spike your anxiety. And I know that's a heavy sentence to hear. And I'm not saying it from a place of shame. I'm saying it from a place of love and education and that you don't have to live that way. 
and that it's a that your kids will definitely know if you have anxiety. We all know. We all see it all the time in one another. And I think it's on us to build those tools for ourselves so that our kiddos aren't worried about it. And it might even just be saying to kiddos when you're when you're starting out, like, yeah, I'm feeling afraid right now, but I'm going to do X, Y, and Z so that I don't feel scared anymore. Letting them know you have coping strategies to tap into. You can take care of your own feelings. You can process them so that your kiddos don't feel responsible for them. In terms of kiddos being responsible for their actions, uh, still hold boundaries. You can set boundaries and hold them and emotion coach through that. Say you told your tiny humans that you were going to leave the playground in five minutes and then you gave them one minute warning and now it's time to go and they throw a shovel when they're leaving because they're mad. You can still leave the playground and then when they're calm, you can talk about the behavior. But right now, when you're leaving the playground, you're just emotion coaching them, which is hard in public because you probably are also feeling embarrassed that your kid just threw a shovel and is throwing a tantrum. But it's your job to regulate those emotions and to be aware of those and to still emotion coach your kids. All right, guys, come join me on Instagram at seed.and.sew. I love to see where you're tuning in from and who's tuning in. If you can take a screenshot of you tuning in and post it up on the gram, I'll come say hi to you. I'll slide into your DMs and virtually high five slash cheers you. You are also welcome to join our Facebook group. It's a free space for experts in the field of early childhood to support other parents and teachers and caregivers on the ground doing this work every day. It's Seed and Sew colon Voices of Your Village. And if you want to dive more into anxiety or join us for our next Tiny Humans, Big Emotions workshop, it is on how to respond to tantrums in a way that builds emotional intelligence. Come on over to tinyhumansbigemotions.com. Can't wait to see you there. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. 
The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.